0: Good morning. How are we this morning? Did we have a good weekend? Uh, I asked that because I'm the student pastor. My name, my name is Daniel, which meant that I spend my weekend uh, with 600 of my closest friends worshiping Jesus at Phineas 510. And it was an incredible weekend. Um, we had, uh, out of that 600, we have 120 students of our own. So it's about 550 students. So 120 of those were our students. We're super excited about that. Um, We had, I I try to do a count, and I think it was upwards of 60 volunteers who helped us. And so from the student ministry, from myself, from my staff, from the students, we want to say thank you to host homes, to drivers, to people who fed us, to people who gave us scholarships to help get students there. Um, I, I am convinced and you'll see my bias here in a minute being the student pastor I'm convinced that the Lord is getting ready to do something really incredible in Burleson in Tarrant County in Johnson County in the surrounding areas Uh, and, and I believe that he is starting that movement starting something really really cool with our teenagers not just First Baptist Burleson of course there's something really cool happening here but but across the city I I don't I've never been in a room uh, for a disciple now or a camp usually uh, we kind of joke about it as student pastors where it kind of takes a little bit to get warmed up right like the first night everybody's like hands in the pocket yeah, I guess I'll sing some of the songs. But by the end of the week, people are fully engaged. They're, they're in the word. They're engaged in worship. I, I kid you not, from the very first note, 600 kids locked in, ready to go. Uh, I, I get chills thinking about it. And, and it was just an incredible weekend. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough for, for everybody who made that happen. Um, this morning, we're continuing a series called Broken Before Breakthrough. It's in... The book of First John, which is in the New Testament. We're going to be in First John chapter 2 this morning. So you can open your Bibles there, First John chapter 2. Again, I've said my name is Daniel. Uh, I'm married to Jody, uh, who's over here. Yeah, I think she said, yep, yep. Um, and we have a, a little girl named Sloan. We've been here at First Burleson for, uh, since September, about four months now. And uh, we've loved every minute of it to this point and are so excited about what the Lord is doing. Uh, when Jodi was young, uh, she, th- she has uh, a story that she tells around family gatherings of a time when her and her family went to a restaurant together. And it's one of those, uh, you get your main course, like cotton pads, get your main course and your two sides. Well, uh, Jodi uh, ordered her main course as a kid uh, and then got her side. Side number one was probably mac and cheese. Uh, and then uh, side number two, she didn't want anything but mac and cheese. But her dad said, you can't just get two sides of mac and cheese. You've got to get something something green at least a little bit of green in there and so he convinced her to get fried okra which my guess is there's probably a split down the middle of this room half of you are like god bless fried okra and some of you are like the devil put that on the earth right um so so Jody is in that second category but uh what my father-in-law managed to do as a good dad is he uh forgot by the time the food came out he forgot that he was the one who told her to get the okra. And so when the plate is put on the table, uh, she starts eating, she finishes everything, and she's like, okay, I'm ready to go. And he says, we're not getting up from that table until you eat that okra. To which she said, but you told me to get it because you wanted to eat it, but now you've changed your story. You're not gonna eat it for me, and you're gonna force me to eat it. And so you have like an eight-year-old Jody, who's in tears, who ordered okra for her dad in reality, uh, but then she has to eat her vegetables on the plate right there. I tell you that this morning because there's some sermons, some messages, some passages of scripture that are more like peach cobbler. Where you can just like eat the whole pan if you're not watching outright. It's like, dude, Jesus is good. Let's keep going. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And there's other passages, other messages, other scripture where it goes down a little bit more like vegetables. It's painful. (laughs) It doesn't always taste great. And I don't want to discourage you, but this message is one of the second. More like a big plate of nutritious vegetables. And the reality is in preparation for this, the Lord has been doing something in my heart. I think he's going to do something across the room this morning. And it's not going to be comfortable at times. But I think the Lord has something very specific to say to us through his word this morning in 1 John. As I said, we're in this series, Broken Before Breakthrough, and, and Pastor Ronnie has been walking us through the first couple chapters so far in First John. Two weeks ago, we talked about this, being broken over our sin. We believe in this church. That we are on the cusp of breakthrough. But we firmly believe that in order to get to that breakthrough that we need to be broken of some things in our life. Broken so that we can put our trust fully in Jesus and trust what he's going to do through us. So week one, we need to be broken over our sin. We talked about uh, the juxtaposition of darkness and light and how Jesus is the light of the world and he drives out the darkness. Darkness has no place in the room when Jesus is there. Week number two, we talked about being broken of our identity, which is last week. And Ronnie gave us a field test of what it looks like to know that we, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. There were two points. One was that there's an intellectual test. Do we obey God? Do we know his commandments? And then number two was practical. There is a third. I don't know the third yet. That's going to be preached next week. You get to come back for number three. Because what we're going to do today is we're going to shift into first gear and we're going to talk a little bit more about what it looks like to live for Jesus. And here is the reality today. That for us to see breakthrough in this room, we're going to need to be broken over love. For us to see breakthrough, we're going to need to be broken over love. Some of us are going to have to have some priority shifts. We're going to need to see a shift in the things that we love. And so this morning this sermon has uh, one point and two subpoints. I apologize if you wanted more. You shouldn't have asked an Aggie to preach. Maybe you can ask the Baylor Bear next time, but we've got one point this morning, two subpoints. They're coming here in a minute. We're going to start here with a little bit of context in verse 12. So would you turn to the word of God with me? 1 John chapter 2 verse 12 where it says this, "I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil The evil one. It's important to know who the audience, primary audience is here. And the primary audience in this passage who John is talking to is actually believers. Those who would call themselves Christians. That is his primary target. That is who he is addressing. Those who have walked with Jesus for a long time. Those who may not have walked with Jesus for as long of a time. But I want to say this to those of you in the room who are like, okay, this is what, zero to 60, very fast. If you're just here and you're seeking Jesus... Maybe you're here with a friend and, and, man, you know life is just messed up and you, you are just seeking anything. I want to say that there's going to be something here for you. And I want you to lock in and stay with me through this. Have you ever been to Six Flags before? So there's that big raft ride. Uh, I think it's still there. If it's not, uh, it should be. So it's, you've about 20 people hop on this raft and it's real easy. You just go up the little, dun, 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 drop into the little pool that goes around to the left. And then you go down the big slope. Y'all it with me? Anybody know this? And you hit the water and what happens? Right? And then when you get off the ride, you run around as fast as you can to try to catch the next one because there's a bridge. So there's people on a bridge standing there waiting for the water to splash them, right? And if you're an eight-year-old Daniel at Six Flags, actually Astral World, rest in peace, Houston, Texas, um, you would, uh, even if you weren't in line with... Uh, the ride you would try to sneak on the back way and just get a little wet because it's like 140 degrees right it's like man if I could just get a little bit of that water on me in this process I know it's meant for them but I just want to get a little bit a little bit of relief Uh, I believe the word of God does not return void today we're going to go down that raft we're we're getting uh, the the target audience wet Christians in the room this is for you but the reality is if you're here everybody's going to get wet And so we turn to what is the only and first commandment here. And I hope that through this commandment, the non believers in the room, the people who are not following Jesus, I pray that you'll see something different in Christians and the people who are living around you. The, the, The one point, the one commandment is here in verse 15. Read it there. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. One point, do not love the world or the things in the world. I wanna define two words for you. Number one is world. Uh, We can use world in a lot of different contexts, right? Uh, For example, elf. He walks in and they have the world's best cup of coffee. You're tracking. And uh, in this movie, Will Ferrell, who's the LP, runs in and he gets really excited and he's he's congratulating these people on the best cup of coffee. And they're like, who is this weird guy who walked in and thinks that we actually have the world's best cup of coffee? We can kind of throw that word around at times, but here's what this word means here it means this The world in this passage is everything that opposes Christ and his work here on earth. Everything that opposes Christ and his work on earth. Second word, I want to look a little bit deeper and define for you, give you a working definition so we know what this passage is saying is this love. Love. And it means this really setting our heart toward. what, What is your attention and your affection chasing after? It's the difference between giving life and taking counterfeit life. I want to hear you clear, hear me. I want you to hear me hear me clearly. I'm not saying you can't love things in this world. I love a lot of things. I love my family, uh, Jody, Sloan. I'll never forget the first time I came back from an international mission trip. I kid you not, Sloan started crying when she saw me. It, it, like nothing better in the world than to come home from being far away as a dad, and your kid is like, "I love you." Big hug. Like sentimental. you can hear the music playing in the background. I love my family. I love Texas A&M ten Aggies in the room love it too I love chips and queso man I love chips and queso it's probably an obsession particularly fresco's chip and queso like let me just take a bath in that stuff man like like it's I love it right but here's the deal everything that I just named that that is a a gift From the giver who is God. God has given those gifts for us to enjoy, but the problem, the line that we cross, is when we begin to worship the gift instead of the giver. We begin to chase after the gifts instead of the giver. Do not love the world or the things. In the world, but John doesn't stop there. He gives us two subpoints, two whys. So he he tells you the big bad commandment, and he says, "This is why I'm telling you to do this." And the first one is this, found in 15b, uh, like the second half of 15, and then 16, and it's that uh, this uh, that the love of God and the love of the world are incompatible. Look at the second half of verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh. The desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Earlier in this, this book of 1 John, he's talked about darkness and light. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, light penetrates the darkness. Darkness and light do not coexist in the same spot. If, if it looks like it is, it's because light has been, uh, the, the amount of light has been changed in a certain spot. Light is always going to win that battle every single time. Jesus himself said it this way Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. That passage, by the way, sandwiched in between a teaching on money and a teaching on anxiety that'll hit you right between the eyes and what he's saying is really this, what you trust is what will sustain you. So don't trust the wrong things. Have you ever seen When Animals Attack? There's the one video that really sticks out in my mind because it's a lunatic on the video. And he uh, thinks that it's appropriate to uh, hop over the fence into the cage at a zoo with a lion. Am I the only one who's seen that? So, so he, he, he's like, dude, that's a cute lion. I think I'll go over this safety fence and go say Hi. As if it's like Garfield on the other side of the fence. But it's really like a real lion that, that his instinct is to eat you, right? He's a predator. Um, uh, he hops over. It does not end well for him. And, and I tell you this. I'll tell you that because of this. I, the Bible very clearly talks about sin. And how it wants to master and destroy you. And yet... And yet we are foolish enough. We have the audacity to try to jump into the lion's pit and try to control it ourselves. You can't do that in your own strength. We we, we try to dabble in it because we think that we have control over it, and yet we also have Jesus, so we think we can just keep one hand on our sin and one hand on Jesus. But the reality is Jesus didn't come to even the score with darkness, Jesus came to obliterate the darkness. Darkness has no place in a room when Jesus is there. Do not love the world or the things of this world because the love of God and the love of the world are incompatible. Number two, this world, the reason number two that you do not love the world or the things of this world is that this world is temporary. I currently have a squirrel living in my house. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I kid you not, this squirrel somehow took a trap off my house. And so we had to reset the trap. It's probably uh, the person who put the trap there that's in trouble there. Um, but he's been living there. And this is not the first time that I've had an animal live in my house. I had some raccoons at one point. It was awful. And the reality is when I had the raccoons, I, I could not control it, right? I'm a city boy. Um, I... <laughs> You don't want me trying to catch anything. I'm not going to do a great job. I actually pay someone to do it for me. Uh, but when we have those raccoons in the house, I'm also a spiraler. Any spiralers in the house. So uh, so you've got this raccoon, or maybe you have uh, another animal in the house. And they're, they're small. The reality is if you were in a room with that animal, you could take them. But but you, you think about what you can't control, and it's a small problem. And then it begins to snowball and spiral, right, to the point where you... You wake up in the middle of the night thinking Splinter from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in your, in your house. It's not that, right? But this little thing has spiraled out of control. You've allowed that moment, the temporary moment, to overtake your thoughts and drive you into a, a, an anxious hole of despair. That is me. This time around with the squirrel, I was doing my quiet time one Sunday morning. My friend in the attic, Mr. Squirrel, I'll come up with the name later, banging around, doing something. And I realized, okay, we'll have this guy in our attic for a couple of weeks. Uh, If I'm lucky, we'll say I'll live to 65. So that's two weeks out of whatever 52 times 65 is. It's very short. And then the moment I take my last breath on this side of heaven, I will take my first breath in the presence of Jesus, which is the first breath in eternity. How small of a time period is that, that I have a squirrel in my house in light of the eternity with God. So why would I waste the time worrying about something that I can't control and take my attention off of things that the Lord may want me to do because I'm caught up in this when I can just trust the people that are there to control that and move on. Does it make sense? This world is temporary and yet we are so good at finding things that will compromise Our thoughts. They will take our time. We don't have time to waste thinking about temporary things. Our our ultimate goal must be to take the gospel to people who don't have it. Locally, domestically, globally. You you say it. We need to do it. It's the coolest mission ever. Have, Have you put it together that if you're following Jesus, the great commission to go take the gospel to the ends of the earth will literally take you places you would not go without it. It's taken me to Eastern Europe. It's taken me through airports I never thought I'd been in. I've been in in countries where I did not speak their language. I've seen poor. I've seen rich. Think Things that I would not have experienced without Jesus. And when I go, the gospel is being firmly planted in me as I take it to other people. It's it's never a one-way trip. And yet, we are trading taking the gospel to people, discipling people, showing them what it looks like to be like Jesus for things that are temporary. We are making compromises for things that are temporary rather than eternal. Perhaps, perhaps it is food. You're getting so caught up in the next meal. You're getting caught up in how much or where, what that's gonna look like that you're not focused in what the Lord is trying to tell you in this moment. Maybe it's the ball field. we got to get them out to the ball field so we can get a scholarship. I love ball fields. I think ball fields are mission fields. But the reality is when it's taking away from the mission that's put in front of us to make disciples of all nations, then we have, we have settled for a counterfeit God. Maybe it's lust, <laughs> men in the room. It's okay. I can just do that one little look. Jesus will forgive me. One look turns to two looks, turns to three looks, turns to four. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's gossip. It's okay. I can control my tongue. I'll just say this one thing. I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. It's okay. Jesus will forgive me. See, I think the enemy wants us to think we can take an inch because he knows he'll give us a mile. And yet we consistently settle for the cheap compromise of trading the gospel in Jesus for something that will never sustain us. It's like, if, if, is there anyone with a birthday in the room this morning? No. Man, this is crazy. We did this yesterday. Oh, we have a birthday in the house. I don't have anything for you. I'm Sorry. But it's like, this is William. Okay, William. It's like William, happy birthday, first of all. Um, it's like if I were to say to William, hey, I've got... A gift card to McDonald's that's going to pay for you and your entire family to go eat a Big Mac. Or I've got a gift card that will cover your entire entire experience. Family, both the grandparents and the whole family. You get to go to Riata for lunch. It's like having an option like that. Like first class food versus fast food and consistently picking McDonald's. I love McDonald's. Not that much to be crazy enough to do that. It's a compromise. It's like we do this with important stuff in our lives. C.S. Lewis, when he was reflecting on this thought of, man, are we settling for cheap substitutes, wrote this, says this, it would seem that our, that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex an ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum. Because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Friends, are we replacing intimacy... With the God of the universe who created and sustains every living being for cheap substitutes. Naturally my brain goes to parenting in my world. Statistics will bear this out that from zero to 18, uh, your teenager, your student um, has the greatest chance of having lifetime faith passed on to them in those 18 years. In other words, your voice, parents, grandparents, your influence is extremely important in the first 18 years of life. And, and they may not agree with me when I say this, and by they I mean teenagers, but they are listening to you and they are watching you. You are important, even through the rash of emotions that they can't quite figure out, they still love you. I know it may not feel like that for some of you in the room today. They still love you. They want you to know what you think about things. So let's give our teenagers Jesus. There's a really humbling stat that Ronnie shared with us a couple weeks ago. Actually three weeks ago Vision Sunday was this. This number 1, 1.67. 1.67. This number was the, uh, is the average amount of Sundays that uh, an, an average church member is attending church in America if you do the math it's almost 50% of the Sundays you can expect to uh, see a member in the seats And I understand family crisis I understand things come up I understand that there are things that you cannot control that you that you need to attend to but but I also have to wonder if we don't settle for average in other areas of our life in business and parenting and supporting our kids. And yet we will settle for average in life when it comes to doing something that the Bible says to do to come together with all believers so that we can grow deeper together in Jesus and together. Church, we we want to be a church that is better than average because we value community. We value doing life together. We value growing closer to Jesus together. And here's the catch, okay? It's, it's not just empty obedience. It is, it is a love for Jesus that drives the obedience. It is the love for Jesus that drives the obedience. And, and what that is is that you are so captivated of, by what the Lord is doing that, that you can't help but do what he asks you to do. That's where It's never easy to follow Jesus, but that's where the, you begin to find joy in the obedience of following Jesus. Does that make sense? You, 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 you begin to chase after him, not because he's told you to, but because you love him. And that is a natural response of that. One of my favorite speakers on the planet, his name is Ben Stewart. He was at Breakaway at a and while I was there. And he, he said this often, he, he said this, what you, what you care about, what you love about, you will think about. What you think about, you will chase. What you love about, you will think about. What you think about, you will chase. very simple. Think about this. I love my family. I love my family. I think about my family often. Because I love them, I'm always thinking about my family. But then those thoughts, because I'm always thinking about my family, I'm always thinking of ways to serve them. Always thinking of ways to be the better husband. The better father, the better son, the better brother. Because I'm thinking about that, I'm then putting those thoughts into action. So it is the love at the foundation of that thought process. It's the love that's driving me to think, which is driving me to action. Church, can I ask this? Are we loving the wrong things? Are we loving the wrong things? If the actions aren't following, I have to wonder if we are loving the wrong things. So here's your challenge this week. Today, this afternoon, this week. You can take your bulletin, take another piece of paper. I want you to write out your greatest priorities in life. Just start writing them out. Family, this, this, that, job. And, and then I want you to do something that could be scary because he may tell you yes, is say, all right, Lord, do I need to change something on this list? Are my priorities in the right place to be doing exactly what you put me here to do? Second challenge here, kind of the, the second layer to that is some of you in the room have the right thinking. You, you love the right things. You're thinking the right things. But you need to jump into the swimming pool. You need to put action to your thoughts. Good thoughts are good. Good thoughts that lead to action are better. May we be people who love Jesus, want to prioritize our life in our actions around him. And so we think about those things and think creatively on how we can do those things. And then we actually begin To chase after Jesus as we do the work that he's put in front of us. Final exhortation to everybody in the room is simple. It's one word, it's this, repent. I think this goes all the way across the spectrum, all the way across the room. As Christians, I do think that we need to repent of some things. Say, Lord, I have been chasing after the wrong things. Forgive me. I I am leaving these wrong things at the feet of the cross. Knowing that Jesus took them to death with him. It is sin, it's against you. I'm leaving these here so that I can fully run in freedom with the Holy Spirit towards what you have for me. Maybe you are just seeking God. Maybe you've made your way here because you realize that life is not easy you've realized that things aren't going well and you're looking for hope. I firmly believe this, that the hope that you're looking for is found in Jesus Christ. And, and the foundation of the relationship that you can have with God is found in Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. It's a church word for saying good news. And it's this, that a man... And God created man to be in relationship with him. very beginning things were awesome and yet man uh, sinned against God. God told them to, uh, you could do all of this but not this one thing. Man chose the one thing, sinned against God. Because of that, sin is now a reality. And because we are sinners, we have all failed God, we have all sinned against God. And because of sin, there is now a separation between God and God. And man, A separation that, that cannot be made up for, it cannot be paid for by our good works. There's nothing that we can do to bridge the gap between God and man in relation to our sin. And the good news is this, that God knew that from the beginning. That he sent his only son Jesus out of eternity to step into and onto this realm and this earth with the sole purpose, about 33 years of life to live it, to glorify God and then die for the glory of God so that all who believe and repent may have faith through Jesus Christ in a restored relationship with God the Father. That is good news. And it is for everyone. And our hope is if you've never responded to that good news, if you've never said, you know what, I'm going to trust Jesus for life, that you will do so today. The Bible says clearly, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love that scripture. There's certainty in that. There's no gray area. By the power of Jesus, you may be saved today. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a couple of songs of response and we're gonna have prayer team, both staff, and non-staff will be here. And, and there would be, they, they would take no greater joy this morning than to walk, you, walk with you in prayer through whatever you're dealing with. Maybe you need to just pray and confess some things. They're here for you. Maybe you want to start that relationship with Jesus. They would love to have that conversation with you. This time of response is just for that. And my hope, is that we'll begin to be broken over love. That we'll be, begin to reprioritize the things that we love. To make sure they're in line with Jesus. To make sure we're not loving the gifts and not the giver. That we will solely run after God and nothing and no one else. Let me pray over us and then we're going to go into this time of response. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you God for hard things, for hard messages. Thank you for giving us your word that is true, that can be trusted. Thank you for sending your son, Father, we're so thankful. By your Holy Spirit, I pray that a brokenness will truly begin to happen because we want to see breakthrough, not for our glory, but for yours, God. Work on hearts and minds across the room for your glory alone, God. This time is yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.